This is our number two. It's time for the fastest 15 minutes of the news. This is Dory's Fastest 15. Oh, it's a world of news in a tidy little 15-minute package just for you. Welcome to our fastest 15. Coming up next. Oh, what, what a star-packed Friday edition of the big show. Uh, next half hour, she was too sick to come on yesterday, but Brandy Cruz is going to jump on next half hour. Is Brandy okay to, to appear, Nicole? Yeah, I believe so. So she looks better because she's been posting videos. So she definitely looks better. She told me this morning that uh, you taking her to Vegas is what made her sick. I'm sure it was. Yeah. So, uh, so we got Brandy Cruz next half hour, and then in the uh, two o'clock big lead, uh, John Curley is going to join us. I mean, the, the Dory Monson show truly is where the stars come out to play. That's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, make a promo with that as the tagline, would you please? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, on it. Okay. And we're going to play uh, a, a couple of... Now, now, are you sure you have the best of the best of the best? Mm, I'm pretty confident. <laughs> That's you know. You're not sure. I said, are you sure? You said pretty confident. Yep. Okay. But if uh, listeners out there remember their favorite audio of the year... Please yes. text us to make sure it's included in our list. Yeah. We thought we'd uh, meander down memory lane a little bit and play some of the audio clips that could qualify as awesome audio of the year. So we'll, we'll do a little bit of that. I can't today. believe it's been a year since the last time we forgot to pull all our favorite awesome audio. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's seeming to become a less important and highlighted part of our December programming. You know why? Because uh, we, have, we have an obligation to the list of the, what's made us the, the highest rated local talk show in the United States of America has been our dogged pursuit of the news and watchdogging government. And little frivolous uh, sound bites. That, I know, it's that old news. Me. I feel bad playing old yeah. news. I know, but but but. but. We'll just make a little time for that. Just a couple here little reminders. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because we have a lot of news to talk about. Hey, I got a, a great tip from awesome listener tipster Joe, who said, Hey, Dory, why, why should somebody learn electrical engineering if you can peddle equity as your craft? And so what Joe did was he sent me all of the city of Seattle, just the city of Seattle jobs right now, using the keyword equity. And I want to share some of these with you because, you know, I truly believe that our tradespeople, people who can plumb and wire and hang drywall, it's good, noble work. You can make pretty good dough as a plumber or an electrician. But we're in a new era where people are getting paid a fantastically large amount of money for peddling equity, which is meaningless as a pursuit. But you can, you can do real well 
individually. But it doesn't mean anything because they just use the word over and over and over in all of these uh, open job postings. And the word loses all meaning. It also, it doesn't create anything. You know, a great uh, home builder can take a pile of lumber and with all of those tradespeople I'm talking about, the electricians and the plumbers and all of them, he can add value. You add value with your labor and you return more than what you get paid. And that's how an economy grows. That's how a nation grows. Uh, in my talk show, I, I get paid very well. But the radio station makes even more money off my show than what they pay me. That's the way it works. None of us have jobs if our employer doesn't make more money than what they pay us. Because we add value. But when you're in government, and government is unique as an employer, you don't add value to anything. Now, unless you are a tradesperson who works for the government. But uh, you don't add value to things. It is a, by definition, it is a non-productive enterprise. It doesn't produce anything. And so, here are some of the jobs. Anyway, just to give you an idea, some of the jobs that listener Joe was talking about. Uh, you can make, let's see, 50, 2000 Okay. You can make about $140,000 a year as a diversity, equity, and inclusion officer. All these are with the city of Seattle. Position description. Are you a change agent who is passionate about diversity, equity, and inclusion? Who believes that organizations fully embracing DEI are made stronger? If so, join us. Pays up to 140000 a year. It's pretty good dough. Uh, this pays up to 120000 a year. Seattle Transit Service Planning Analyst. Position description. Seattle is a thriving and equitable community powered by dependable transportation. <laughs> the word equitable has no meaning there. They could have said Seattle's a thriving community powered by dependable transportation. But instead, they pull out the old woke word dice. Seattle is a thriving and... Equitable community powered by dependable transportation. Then they say, our core values drive our work toward creating an equitable, sustainable, and vibrant city for all. SDOT Transit uh, Division pay, plays an important role in our city's transportation success. Our division is focused on transportation equity, improving transit service, making transit more reliable. Transportation equity. Why don't you just focus on transportation? And then they say, uh, the Seattle Transit Serving Planning Analyst is part of the core transit service and strategy team, which works in support of an equitable, safe, and effective transit system. <laughs> the word has no meaning. They literally just drop it in to sentences because why? Okay, so how about this? Senior Human Resource Business part Partner. Position description. Are you interested in working with a create? Oh, let's see how much this one pays. Well, about 100000 a year. 
Are you interested in working with a creative and collaborative team in an environment that values relational culture? Do you have an openness to learn and apply new ideas and skills through an equity lens? This position applies concepts of race and social justice to all work and engages in departmental efforts to eliminate disparities and achieve racial equity in city government and broader community. Uh, capacity development advisor. This pays about 120000 a year. Uh, the Seattle Office for Civil Rights envisions a city of thriving and powerful communities that fosters shared healing and belonging. SOCR provides leadership in upholding civil rights and advancing racial equity throughout the city. Senior financial analyst for budget. Okay, now this can't have that. It, this, this pays about 100000 a year also. But if you're a financial analyst for the budget, you're just crunching numbers, right? Well, let's read the job description. Position description. Vision. Seattle is a thriving and equitable community. Okay. What does that have to do with being a budget analyst? Now, this one certainly cannot have anything. Sewer submeter program manager. Pays about 130000 a year. Sewer submeter program manager. They're not going to try to sneak any of that nonsense in here, are they? Uh, it's a job with P- Seattle Public Utilities. Seattle Public Utilities is a community-centered utility whose mission is to foster healthy people and economy by partnering with our community to equitably manage water. I did not realize that our water was being equitably managed. That's that's cool. Teen and young adult program services manager. 103,000 bucks a year. I got paid uh 550 an hour. When I was running daycare and latchkey and summer camp programs for the YMCA when I was in college. Now you can make $103,000 a year doing that. Uh, and this is through the Seattle Library System. The library works every day to foster and support a healthy city and healthy democracy. We do this work guided by the principles of intellectual freedom, literacy, and the love of learning racial equity. Privacy and confidentiality. Cool. Uh, anyway, I think I've made the point. I think Joe has made the point. But apparently, you don't have to learn trades anymore. Just go get a degree in equity, and there will be thousands of government jobs paying six figures, and you can just do that for a living. Doesn't sound very, very fine. Uh, but I'm, I have so many I'm leaving out because I highlighted some of these are so funny. But but anyway, you get the sense of where our listener Joe was going. Up next in the Fastest 15. Okay, so Nicole, we, we got a pretty good lineup here. Should we just try a few of these? Yeah, go for it. Okay, do you have your favorite since you've just been uh, uh... listening to these for the last uh, two weeks? And trying to put together the best audio of the year for our listeners? Uh, I don't know if I have my absolute favorite, but some of these brought back good memories. Okay, let's see. See, These are some possibilities for Awesome Audio of the Year. Sure. 2022. Uh, Jay Inslee, 
he, oh man, he had a good year. He had some great analogies when he was talking about how he was safely guiding our state through uh, the emergency. We're sort of like that mistaken skydiver who jumped out of the airplane with his parachute and the parachute worked really, really well and it slowed the rate of his descent. And he was so happy about it, the success of that parachute that he thought he could just cut the straps and things would turn out okay. Well, we have been successful to date in slowing the progress of this disease. But if we cut the straps right now, we're going to have a really, really bad result hitting the ground. Now he says that like, <laughs> like it's a true story. It's kind of like that story about the skydiver. What kind of morons do you hang out with, Governor? You, you had a buddy who was skydiver, and when he started slowly floating to Earth, he cut the straps to the parachute and plummeted to his death? And that's the best analogy you could come up But I like how he, uh, you know, pastors do this in sermons all the time. You know, it reminds me of the story. Of... We're sort of like that mistaken skydiver who jumped out of the airplane. <laughs> so sad. Stupid. Oh, let's see here. Uh, oh, we, we enjoyed this. We enjoyed when uh, there was that huge brawl at the Golden Corral Buffet. That's not, that's not even in the top 100. Uh, how about this? When gangs were robbing the train yards in California, organized crime gangs were going in to boxcars and they were stealing millions of dollars of what were destined to be Amazon deliveries. And when the governor of California mentioned that there were organized gangs doing this, Oh, he realized that he said a bad word. This is not one-off. This is organized theft. These are organized gangs of people that are coming out. And forgive me for saying gangs. I know that, that, that that's not a pejorative. They're organized groups of folks that move. <laughs> you can't say gangs. <laughs> they're, they're organized groups of folks. So uh, the mobsters, they they weren't gangsters. They were a group of folksters. Just insanity. Group of uh, folksters. This, this is probably my favorite. In a year where our vice president just every week had something really stupid to say. Uh, maybe the stupidest was when she went on a radio show and they asked her what was going on between Russia and Ukraine. I am here, standing here on the northern flank, on the eastern flank, talking about what we have in terms of the eastern flank and our NATO allies and what is at stake at this very moment. Oh, no, we did the one where... Or she yes, the Ukraine one. Yeah, answered the radio people. Yeah, uh, here I can. Well, you should play the at the top right now is the um, the montage of her repeats. It's pretty good. 
Yeah, she uh, I'll find the other one. She gets a phrase in her head and it's like an earworm. We will assist Jamaica in COVID recovery um, by assisting in terms of the recovery efforts in Jamaica. I am here standing here on the northern flank, on the eastern flank, talking about what we have in terms of the eastern flank. Talking about the significance of the passage of time, right? The significance of the passage of time. There is great significance to the passage of time, and there is such great significance to the passage of time. How dare they? 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 Which is why we will work together and continue to work together. And to work together as we continue to work that we will convene to work together on. You know, when we talk about our children, I know for this group, we all believe that when we talk about the children of the community, they are a children of the community. Signifies the significance. Uh, the discussions that we had included a discussion about the significance of the climate crisis. Regarding rules and norms, we are working together to develop norms for the responsible and peaceful uses, more specifically regarding rules and norms and international rules and norms, and establish rules and norms to govern space activities. Oh, finally, space is going to have some rules and norms. All right, that is your Fastest 15. This has been the Fastest 15 Minutes in the News. Fast, 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 Dory's Fastest 15. We'll sprinkle a few more of those in this afternoon. But coming up next, Brandy Cruz, a day late, but never a dollar short. She drops by for her weekly visit next. Hot time to come to Jesus, you got skeletons in your closet, spitting all over your face, every little well, our good friend Brandy Cruz was a little under the weather t- yesterday when she usually joins us, but she's rallied fast, hard, big time, so she could join us on this Friday afternoon. Good afternoon, Brandy. I did rally quickly. I had, yeah. you know, like 24 to 48 hours of being miserable. I called oh. it my hell cocoon. Just, mm-hmm. just wrapped up on our bed. Um, and, and, you know, this is why... This is why you let your kids play with dirt when they're younger. That's what I did. Look at me. I bounced right back. Built up some immunity, (laughs) crying out loud. And and a week ago, you were in a cesspool of filth and sin down in Vegas at this time. At this exact time, you were about to to go to a, a show, weren't you? Well, and and actually, now I now I'm coming to the conclusion that it's your fault. I was sick, <laughs> like you almost killed me because yes, I wouldn't have yes. gone to Vegas had you right. not generously bought Nicole tickets to Luke Bryan, and then she took me as her date, and I came back from Vegas sick. So by the transitive property, you you almost cost me my okay. life. <laughs> All right, guilty of and I, I I don't even like asking this question because it. Sounds like I'm uh, being too self-congratulatory, but how are the tickets? Oh, my gosh. I, so I've never sat front row. That's just not something I've splurged on for myself. Right. And it was so much fun. It, I mean, he was shaking his booty in our face. You, know? you, guys were, you guys were sending me pictures and videos that were making me very uncomfortable. I wasn't asking for it. It just happened. But yeah. we were not only front row. We were front row center stage. Yeah, it well, was look, amazing. Look, Nicole deserves that. Uh, you certainly deserve that with all of our 
are uh, the things we do together professionally and uh, as friends. So, uh, no, I was thrilled. I was really happy about that. Yeah, and I um, I let loose a little bit in Vegas. I'm not going to get into details, but let's just say, other than the concert, I also had a good time. I would like some details, actually. That's just not necessary. Really? Okay. All right. Well, okay. Let's move on then, because there's a lot of other stuff to talk about. So the weekend you were down there, something up here rather interesting happened. Uh, another good friend of my radio show, Katie Davis Court. She's down in Renton where a brew pub does drag queen story time. Not a great connection between that industry and that event, in my view. But uh, there were apparently a lot of Antifa people, a lot of supporters, a lot of ralliers for drag queens reading to kids. And uh, somebody that she described as Antifa comes up to Katie Davis Court, physically assaults her, takes her phone. And then uh, the video, she went up to a couple of television stations that were there, and they would not let her use their phones to even call the police. And I know that you covered this story as soon as you got back. Yeah, I mean, I spent a half hour of my uh, show on it on Monday, and there's a lot of things. I mean, I could spend, you and I could spend an hour talking about this, and I could spend an hour ranting about this. But, you know, I've been in those positions before. I know, you know, Katie talked about how helpless she felt, and I, I know that feeling of helplessness. I know what it's like to be attacked by these types of people and have no one like come to your defense. Um, And so it it really angered me. And I've talked about for a long time, the need for the media when you're under attack, be it by a politician verbally uh, or physically by Antifa, whether it's right wing or left wing riders or whatever it is for the media to stick together. And so, you know, I felt I really felt for Katie for what happened um, for people immediately dismissing it because she's a conservative journalist. And it's like, of course you would, because because that that means she deserves to get robbed and assaulted. It's so sad. And then You know, I'm disappointed with King and Cairo because, you know, there's a couple circumstances I can understand. Okay, maybe I maybe I get it. For instance, did they feel like if they gave her their phone that they would then be attacked by Antifa? Was it self-preservation? But, you know, I reached out to Cairo and King for comment and nothing, just radio silence. And to me, if you had a reasonable explanation for it, offer offer one up. and, And they just didn't. And it's like, here you are, these entities that your job is to hold everyone else accountable, to demand a transparency out of everyone else. But there's been multiple occasions where I've had questions about news coverage or something from a local TV station, and it's just radio silence. No comment. Hmm. Well, and uh, I'm, I'm wondering if part of it is, and I, I don't know the answer, you probably do, but you've been at the vanguard of of this new journalism, people who have broken away from cor- corporate media. Uh, you're the most visible of those, but, you know, you got Jonathan Cho, you got Katie Davis Corp. Is there now such a divide between old guard media and and the new independent journalists that are out there that they don't see you as brothers and sisters anymore. They just see you as, as rivals. Is that what's going on when you guys are out in the field? Well, I don't even think it's rivalry. I think it's disdain. I've never had more nastiness directed at me from the legacy media than when I left the legacy media. And I'm not even that far removed. And I don't think that they enjoy the criticality that comes at them from people who are independent and can talk about the media, the legacy media, in more honest terms, which is something that I've been able to do. Like I said, it goes back to the media is one of the most powerful um, entities on earth. 
and they hold everyone else accountable to these very high standards. They demand accountability and transparency, but they don't want to be held accountable. They don't they don't want to have to be transparent. And so I think there's a little bit of angst for that reason. But I think a lot of it is political. The people you see branching away who are independent, a lot of them um, are either blatantly conservative, lean right, or at least are fair, which is more than the mainstream media. And I, I think that that's part of it is you have the legacy media that leans left. And so there's that hostility because they see like a political divide, essentially. Um, but also, can I just note one more thing? No. Yeah. The the reporter who Katie says told her she couldn't use her cell phone was Deborah Horn at Cairo 7. And I've met Deborah many times. She's a, a legendary journalist in Seattle. Um, you know, Deborah Horn was chased out of Westlake Park by BLM protesters in the fall of 2020. And when that happened, I was all over Twitter standing up for Deborah Horn, just, you know, raising holy hell about what the BLM protesters had done to her. And then her station took the video of it happening down. And I was told by a source at Cairo at the time that they didn't want Deborah was worried that having the video out there would hurt her ability to cover that group in the future. And it's like you were just intimidated and harassed as a black journalist by a BLM protest out of a public space. And you guys are covering up for them. You're you're hiding what happened to you. And I think there's this really sad pattern of of the Seattle media doing that as well. Like in their news reports of what happened of what happened at this drag queen story time, there was no mention of a, a journalist outside being mobbed and robbed. No mention of it at all. Well, and beyond that, they accept unblinkingly the storyline that has been pushed out there that somebody shot a BB or pellet through the window of this restaurant and that it was hatred because they do the drag queen story time. That may be what happened, but it's also possible uh, because I, I have seen a lot of self-inflicted damage in businesses that just want to gain publicity. And I'm not saying that that's what happened either. I'm just saying that without knowing who shot that baby, and then the business puts up a sign that says, this is what intolerance looks like, and then the media all assumes that that is 100% the accurate storyline. No, they should say allegedly. They should say that they claim this is who attacked them. But for the media, when there have been so many hoaxes and so many examples of, of this type of event that turns out to be the exact opposite of what it's initially characterized as, uh, I don't think the media should always jump to the conclusion that the storyline that's being pushed out there by an individual or a business is automatically the correct one. And so everything about the way this was covered is troubling to me, including them just assuming the storyline from the get-go. Well, and it's Renton, so I wouldn't I wouldn't rule out a stray stray projectile hitting a random business. But you're right. And also, you know, there was this whole pushback over, oh, this group online says they're gonna be there to protest drag queen story time. Well, no one showed up yeah, to protest. And so the only people who were there were the media, the the drag queen story time, you know, attendees, and then yeah. like Antifa being there to to guard against this imaginary group that never yeah. showed up. So it did seem like a very manufactured thing. And for the record, I thought this particular drag queen story time was very 
very harmless. It was a drag queen dressed as like an old lady reading books to kids. I mean, you know, we can we can quabble about differences. There have been some really troubling instances of drag queen story time with like exposure of genitals to young kids. This one seemed seemed pretty PG-13. Yeah, I, I disagree. They're all okay. groomers. They're all <laughs> groomers. That's the point of every one of them. Okay, Brady Cruz is with us. We will continue the conversation. We've got a lot of other local news to talk about as the Dory Monson Show rolls on. I was born in the morning, but I was born yesterday. All right, we're back. Our very special Thursday with Brandy on a Friday afternoon. Brandy Cruz joining us. So lots of other stuff going on. Uh, the Washington Transportation Commission, I told my listeners about this 24 years ago, that this was in the works. Everybody said in politics, all the politicians said that I was lying about it. But we uh, are on the brink of every inch of every road in our state becoming a toll road. They say that they're going to uh, go to a two and a half cent per mile tax for every inch you drive. Uh, I think this is disturbing on many levels, but I've already given my say on it. What do you think about all this? Yeah, I mean, I, I do credit you because you have the receipts for your long, long prediction that this this would happen. You know, I looked at, so I don't know if you saw the news out of Florida this week, and I think it's just a really good example of how differently a state can be run. And, you know, one of the things I talked about on my podcast this week is, you know, I was looking at some of the bills that were pre-filed by Democrats in Olympia ahead of the legislative session. And it's this weird focus on, like, helping criminals' lives get better as opposed to helping, like, regular citizens who are minding their own business, working hard and paying their paying their bills and their taxes. Mm-hmm. And this is something similar, you know. So in, in Florida this week, Governor Ron DeSantis announced that in 2023, if you're a regular commuter there that has what they call a sun pass, so it's like similar to our, you know, good to go pass, in 2023, you're going to get refunded half the half the cost of your tolls throughout the whole year in 2023. It's going to save Floridians about $400 a year in tolls. So I look at that and then I look at what's happening in our state. No relief, um, no gas tax relief, no little relief in the sales tax while families are struggling with inflation. And now it's like, oh, and you're going to just pay <laughs> pay for just getting in your car and driving down the street, even if it's not on a toll road. Um, and so I think it just shows the priority of our government versus a government like Florida that's looking out for people who are really following all the rules, working hard and just trying to get by. Well, and uh, a couple other things. They will probably, they will likely say uh, that you can get a little discount if you put a transponder in your car. Uh, that's what they've done, you know, on all the toll roads around here on 405 and 167 and 520. You can get a discount if you put a transponder in your car, but. What that means is they will be able to go to variable tolling, and they'll be able to say, oh, yeah, to drive into Seattle downtown at 7.30 rush hour in the morning, now it's going to be $25 added to your to your account. And so this opens the door for variable tolling on every road. There are also tremendous privacy concerns. I do not want people like Bob Ferguson and Jay Inslee to have access to where all of us drive because we've already seen how they are willing to weaponize government against anybody who doesn't toe the line, who doesn't follow their mentality. And so uh, I think the people of this state would be nuts to give up that level of privacy. 
Yeah, the libertarian in me doesn't want that to happen and would not feel comfortable putting that. Although, Dory, I don't know if you know this, but I've had an air tag on your car for a long time. Yeah, I know, but you're harmless. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. I, I have concerns about it, and it's also just, you know, uh, the war against cars is a very real thing. And I don't know why people, it's funny to watch people continue to deny that narrative when it's just so blatant. Yeah. And and one last thing. I don't know how that Florida thing's going down, but in Denver, they told people if they go to a smart thermostat that uh, they could reduce their power bills. And then they go, a bunch of people go to a smart thermostat to save 30 bucks a year. And then it's an emergency in the heat of last summer. And the government took control of people's thermostats and said, you can't cool your home below 76 degrees. And, and by, by saying, we'll give you a $30 discount, the government now has access to control of your thermostat. They could have access to control of our cars if the Jay Inslee or his successor declares another bogus three-year emergency. So people have to be very wary of all this stuff. Yeah, they'll take whoever has those little transponders and they're listening to the Dory Monson show, they'll quick switch it to NPR. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's, or add $100 to their toll. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Brandy Cruz, you can see your work at patreon.com slash undivided. Even as a recovering sick person, you were fantastic today. Nice job. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Nobody heard me hacking up a lung uh, before I came on with you, but that's okay. I did. I heard it. <laughs> and believe me, I hope to never hear anything like that again. Okay, <laughs> okay bye. <laughs> okay, see you later. Brandy Cruz joining us. Patreon.com slash undivided. All right, we're going to check the news. Oh, we'd love to hear your comments and all the stuff we talked about. 888-973-CAIRO, 888-973-5476. We will check the news and then the big lead at two next here on the Dory Monson Show. You've been talking in your sleep.